Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. This is a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the leader of their life. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women that feature guest interviews as well as solo episodes with Maya. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the My Opinion Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now in her opinion, here's your host, Maya Roffler. Hi guys, welcome back to My Opinion. Today I have Julie Geske Pierre with me, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. Julie, welcome to My Opinion. Thank you so much, Maya. I really appreciate you having me here and hello to all the listeners. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. And I want to dive in right away and talk about your new book. Well, you can tell us when it came out, The Five Senses for Success. I am so fascinated by this title. It aligns so well with leadership. So tell us about the book. Tell us when it came out. Let's just dive into it. Awesome. I'm happy to talk about it. So it's called Five Senses for Success, Strategies to Thrive in Any Arena. And in the book, what I have done is I have taken the traditional five senses that most of us realize, and I do recognize that some do not realize all senses or have the ability to utilize all, but I've taken those five senses and I've shifted them into senses that I see as more um, meaningful and deeper. So um, when we have, when we utilize our original five senses, we often are a little bit passive with them. So like right now I can peripherally see a lot of things around my room with the C sense, right? But I, I shift that into something that's more intentional, which I call observe. And so I've taken all of those five senses and shifted them into new senses. And in my book, I'm sharing tactics around how to use these five senses, which I'll share momentarily. And then I also talk about how we can use them in leadership. So um, just to give a summary of the senses, so our original five senses of see, hear, touch, taste, and smell, I've shifted into observe, listen, feel, engage, and appreciate. So some of those are pretty intuitive, for, for instance, see to observe. Pretty easy to see how I came up with that one. Some are less, for instance, taste to engage. But in that case, and I do describe in the book how I've come to these, but in that case, uh, taste is a multi-sensory experience. We have to use, well, we often see and smell the food. We might touch it tactfully, or we for certain feel it in our mouth. And so it's multi-sensory and likewise, engaging with people is multi-sensory. And another element that I embed in the book too, not only are these important in leadership, but they're also important in how we work with ourselves. So every one of those more intentional uh, senses can be used with self. And I think that's often things that we forget to do. We forget to really pause and observe what we think or feel about something. We forget to listen to ourselves. I, for sure, and I know many people have trouble appreciating ourselves. It's so much easier to see how to blame ourselves or, or think of all the things we've done wrong or aren't good at or what have you, but the taking the time to appreciate what our gifts are and what we can bring to any situation. So it's a blend of using it with other people, 
and it's a blind of using it with ourselves. And then it can be in any arena. So in leadership, and I have worked as a leader in organizations prior to starting my own business back in 2014, Air Performance Solutions, also thinking about how we can use it in our families, in the community. So these senses are really critical for all of us to get work done, whatever that looks like, or uh, reach our goals. Yeah, I love that. And it's interesting, the one that you're talking about with engage, mm-hmm. when you're saying engage, I really relate to that. My husband's a chef. So when you're talking about yeah. food and doing the taste versus the engage, I totally relate to that one. And I think it's interesting how you translated it. It's like you've almost elevated these five senses for people to take and apply to their life. And I think that's why it was such a great fit for you to come on the show and talk about leadership with this. And I imagine that you took this not only from, I mean, you've had your own business since 2014, which is great, but you took this from your corporate life, just from your experiences. So tell us a little bit about how you evolved and like how you came up with this, because this is this is really incredible. Like, how did this evolve from Julie? Sure. Well, I can say that it took a long time. And when I first started writing the book, and I started it back in 2015, it just came out in May this year. So it's it's new. And I started back in 2015. And I had this idea of some of the things that I wanted to include in a book, but I felt like the framework was given to me by divine inspiration. That's just my belief because I just seem to have like woken up with it one day to use the senses. Yeah. And they shifted over time during the time I was writing it. But when I first started writing, I really thought that maybe it started early in my career. The idea of the the senses very slowly as I worked through leadership roles and um, then eventually starting my own business, I felt like that started early career when I did focus group moderating, where it was a very heavy listening activity. But then as I was writing, I realized, no, this started way back when I was a child. I grew up in a somewhat dysfunctional family. And so I was careful to keenly observe and listen and monitor my environment and the people around me and, you know, always hoping to avoid trouble, if you if you will. And, and so I realized as I wrote that it really did stem way back and when I first moved into working after high school, I, I, I call it a slow launch because I did not go to school or to college after high school. I just kind of started doing things. <laughs> and then I realized as I started becoming more responsible for my own life that I wanted more. And so then I did go and get a BA. I graduated with that when I was 31. I later got a grad degree in organizational leadership master's degree. And so it's it's been this slow evolution. And then before I started my business full-time in 2014, I um, had done some volunteer work where I got mediation training. And there are a lot of conflict resolution skills in that, obviously. And so, you know, from way back in childhood through mediation training, the various work experience I've had, it all just kind of blended together to to help me understand that these concepts are really. I love that, Julie. And I can relate to you. I have, I had a very dysfunctional childhood too. And another thing about this show is that every <laughs> single woman that comes on this show, their inspiration for their book, their business, really their life, their evolution, there is something embedded in their childhood. 
that took place. And it's so fascinating to me. It's like, I don't even have to prompt the question anymore. It just comes <laughs> up and like, you're making my job so easy, guys. Thanks. But it's fascinating because I really want my listeners to see that, that trend, right? So I feel like if we're feeling a little well, like lost or, you know, being led or inspired or, you know, I, I have this on a couple solo episodes too, like finding out who, the who, what, when, where, and what we want to do, even as a leader, you know, go back to who you were as a child. And like, you know, this is where this all comes from. And I love your evolution and how you decided you wanted to go back to school and you graduated at 31. That's another thing that I love to talk to women about, especially, I think we have such timelines as women, right? It's like, we have to be married at 25. We have to have kids by 30. We have to do this by 35. You know, in my opinion, we need to throw that out of the rule book and do what's right for ourselves. And that's how we can be the leaders of our lives. You know, I agree a hundred percent. I yeah. really think that the, one of the things I like to think of when I think of success. So my book is called five senses for success, but what's really important to me is that success should be unique to an individual and what is success to you or to me is going to be different. And I don't want to put my version of success on anybody. And likewise, I don't want to aspire for somebody else's version of success with the timelines embedded and all the, the specifics of, you know, this by this age or time, you know, I just, that's not helpful. And I think that we all evolve and become in different ways, right? We just, that's how life is. So I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. And thank you. For, yeah. Thank you for adding that. I think it's just something that has been ingrained in women, especially women for so long. And it's so refreshing to hear so many different stories. That's why I love doing these interviews because everyone has these different timelines and we're all going to have a different timeline and all have a different evolution, but we all have the same story, which is what I love. It all goes back to something in childhood because I do think it's always within us. Like our calling is kind of within us. It's just about kind of evolving. And so now here you are with the book. Like, this is so cool. Like this has been moving the entire time. So tell me the five senses again, your, your five senses. So we hear them again. Yep, they are observe, listen, feel, engage, and appreciate. Okay. And I love that. And like a lot of those are actually things that I talk about quite often on the podcast and about leadership because I think they're all so important in leadership. So, how can the women and some men that listen to the podcast too take these? I mean, obviously, I want them all to buy the book, but. How can they take these and apply them? What are some quick kind of tips you can give them of your five senses into leadership or into their life? Absolutely. So in the book, what I do is I talk about each sense, how I twisted it from the original to the new and a little bit about how that works. But then I give tactics underneath underneath each of them. And so I'll share a couple of the tactics from the senses so that people get a feel for it. And hopefully these will be helpful as they're doing the work that they're doing or living the life they're living. So under the idea of observe, one tactic I'll share is looking for the light. So you mentioned that you think everybody in childhood that we have a purpose and that we're born with that and trying to go back to that and find it is important, I think. But I also think that we are all, so I'm very spiritual and I believe that we are all born with a light inside of us. 
And that can be described in lots of different ways. I am very understanding of multi-religious or not religious or what have you. That is not the point of it. The point of it is that we all have something wonderful inside of us. And so in observing, sometimes we, first, we don't pay attention. So attending is another tactic, really being paying attention. And then really looking for what is the beautiful light shining from that person, because we all have a unique light that shines. So that's something under observe. And at the end, I'll kind of wrap that into how we use into leadership. So I'm just going to describe a little bit about each sense first. Then listen, one of the things that, so I went through training with Judith Glazier, the author of Conversational Intelligence when she was still alive. And uh, one of the tactics that she shares that I also share in my book, obviously attributing it to her, is that ask a question we don't know the answer to when we're trying to figure something out. So I'm big on discovery questions. That's kind of the way I talk about getting to know somebody well. But I take it further with her idea of ask a question we don't know the answer to. Because when we are in conversation with people we spend a lot of time with, we don't always take the time to do that. We don't always take the time to think about what don't I know and what could I learn and try to get that person's perspective. So that's something under listen. Under feel, so in some workplaces, the idea of having feelings in the workplace is kind of a no-no, right? And I think it's slowly shifting, but I think there are still some corporations, even nonprofits I've experienced, where feelings aren't really supposed to be talked about or experienced in the workplace. I agree. Yeah. And so my idea there is that we are human and we can't show up to work without having feelings. It's impossible. We can try to shut them down, which I think often happens, or we can try to ignore them, or we can go to the other extreme, which is try to override other people with our feelings, which also isn't good, right? So those are two extremes, overriding or shutting down. And really, it's about finding that balance of sharing something meaningful about your feelings in the workplace. One of the most meaningful leadership moments I had when I had a team at my last job was that the team had been doing amazing work for several years, and we had been given resources, further resources by the organization to expand the team. And I was explaining this this new opportunity to my team, and I was really choked up and emotional. I still get a little bit emotional right now, um, a little teary-eyed thinking about how wonderfully they had done. I had actually been hired in that organization to kind of shift how the team had been working. So I was brought in as a little bit of a repair mechanism, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the the work that they had done was so wonderful. And I was, you know, in this gratitude and really appreciating, which I'll get to in a minute, what they had been doing. And I was very emotional. And I felt bad about it at the time because I felt, you know, the don't have tears in the workplace thing that sometimes we hear or we get those subliminal messages from people and how they react. But after that meeting, the people came up to me, several people came up to me from my team and said, that was like so powerful that you shared that. And so my idea with feelings is that there is a place for feelings wherever we are. The level of intimacy of what you're going to share about your feelings is different for the workplace compared to home or elsewhere, perhaps. But 
you can still be human and, and share your feelings. So that's the idea. On engage, I really like to focus on trust in this. So building trust is really, really important. And when we lead teams, if we don't build trust with our staff or with our manager or our colleagues, we can't get the work that we're charged with done, right? We're going to be less effective at it. And so one of the things that I think is amazing is that they've done functional MRIs, fMRIs, with people who are in trust states, and they see that their, mirror, their brains actually end up mirroring each other. So they end up looking the same in a trust state. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and so one of the one of the best ways to do that is to try to work to create something together. So co-creating, you've probably heard that term before. And I'll circle back a little bit to listen. So these are very intertwined as well. When I talked about listening, I talked about discovery questions or asking a question you don't know the answer to. By co-creating, you can embed some of that into it. You're asking the other person or people, depending on if you're working with one or multiple a team, and you're asking their thoughts, their opinions. And yes, ultimately, as a leader, you often have to make the end decision. But by giving everybody that opportunity to put in their input and their ideas, first of all, you're going to come up with a better plan because more people, more brains, the better, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you have built trust by allowing them to help co-create with them. So that's something I'll share under engage. And then appreciate. So in the workplace, in home, anywhere we are, it's super easy on the on any given day when a frustration comes up to focus on that frustration. And really making the choice to acknowledge that frustration. But then let's shift back to, okay, but I'm going to keep a positive mindset. And I'm going to appreciate that which I have. So... Um, you know, it can be, huh, I don't know, like you get stuck in a traffic jam or something. Okay. That can be frustrating. I've had that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was working for other organizations and I had to drive to work. But you can also say, okay, that is frustrating. I acknowledge that. So you're not like pretending it doesn't exist. But then I'm going to make the choice to focus on, okay, well, I have a little more time to reflect on whatever or plan for whatever, you know, it, it, it's an opportunity then. It's a way you can look at what you could appreciate versus focusing on frustration. So those are a few little things that I'll share. And I then, love that. That's amazing, Julie. Oh my gosh, that's great. That's great. And I know you want to kind of tie it into leadership too, all yes. together. Yes. So then when you think about these different senses, and we think of the charge of a leader. So whether you are the leader of a department, a division, an entire organization, whatever it may be, you have a specific charge. You have specific goals that you need to reach. And to get there, you need the people around you. It's an absolute must. And even when we have individual goals, we almost always need somebody else to help us get to it. I called upon a lot of people to help me get five senses for success ultimately published, for instance. So, and that was a personal goal. So because we need people to reach our goals as leaders, we really want to make sure that we're utilizing these skills in an intentional and careful manner 
so that we can help move those relationships forward. So uh, I think of accountability. So as a manager, you often have to um, make sure that your staff are performing at a certain level. And if you have someone who isn't, now that's the toughest part of leadership, right? Nobody likes to have those conversations, but they're needed. They're required if you're going to be a really effective leader. And so by using the senses, you can do those and have those conversations about accountability and performance in a way that is more powerful. And um, I'm also a conflict mediator, so I'm a qualified neutral for the state of Minnesota. So throughout this, I also embed conflict resolution tactics, and, and that's embedded in these senses. And so by using these, even in a difficult conversation, first you're coming with compassion and care for that person. And by doing that, you're going to help build trust, build your ability to influence and motivate them. And then you're also going to be able to understand their perspective of the situation. There may be something we as a leader don't know about what's happening there, right? And so if we don't take the time to understand that by doing some observing and listening and discovery, then we are losing an opportunity to build more trust where they're going to be more motivated to try to step up their game to whatever you're asking because of the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. This is such a piece of knowledge here. Oh my God, Julie, I love this. I love that you shifted these, you evolved these senses. And I'm like, as you're telling me about each one, I'm like, yeah, I'm like thinking of examples in my mind when I was leading a team. Cause you know, I have the podcast now and I do consulting. I'm out on my own. So I'm probably similar to you in the sense where if I'm doing a project, I have people that I hire and they help me. So it's still a team, but it's a little different than leading like a hundred people at corporate, 25 sales reps, something like that. So it's a little different, but we're all, all leaders and we can all use these senses and tools. And I really love how you explained it. And it's almost like a flow chart. Yeah, it kind of feels that way. And it's, it's interesting. And, and what I really took away from this too, is everyone's going to laugh when I say this, because I talk about <laughs> it all the time. It's really wrapped up as empathy too, because yes. I mean, this, these five senses for success are empathy. And yes. it's something I talk about all the time. I can hear people like laughing at me right now. <laughs> Because I do so many episodes on empathy and different ways to look at it and scopes. But, you know, Julie, when I'm in a room with um, men and women, but a lot of, you know, female leaders, I mean, it just comes out like that's the most important thing. It's why women are so successful as leaders. We, it comes typically quite naturally to us, but, you know, some men are, are great with empathy too, but it's something that we just kind of step into. We step into our empathy. And so that's what comes up for me listening to you talk about these five senses. It's like a really elevated way to talk about empathy, a really elevated way to talk about ways to be successful in leadership because listening, building trust, engaging, and then showing appreciation. That's mindset work that you're talking about there at the end. Yeah. And I agree hundred percent about empathy. In fact, that is one of the tactics in my book as well. So empathy is so critical. Um, in building trust, in, in having the ability to influence and motivate, because when people feel or think, because I think of both sides of the brain, right, that we understand them, they're going to be much more motivated 
to to work toward a cause, whatever that may be. I also like to think about these senses, um, not just in a formal leadership role, but also in any place where we can show personal leadership. So that's what I call it, where anybody in any role can show leadership, personal leadership. And I would also say, and probably should, right? I think we use leadership all the time. We may just not call call it that. We influence our spouses, our children, our communities, our churches, whatever whatever we are engaged with, not just, and in the workplace too, right? So not just in the workplace, but also in the workplace. And if we're an individual contributor in a workplace, we can still show leadership. And that is actually one of the best ways to be recognized for performance and be later given promotions and things. I'm sure you've experienced that because you've done that. And so um, I think it's really important to think of leadership very broadly. I, I mean, you are speaking the my opinion language right here, Julie, because that's <laughs> so true. It's so funny. I did an episode, I think a couple months back in the spring, and I it was called title leadership versus true leadership. And I was talking about, you know, people just being like, oh, I'm not a leader until I'm a director or I'm this or I'm that. And I love that you're just saying, no, leadership is leadership. You can be an individual contributor. You can be the leader at home. We all step into leadership at different moments and different times. And we also have to follow sometimes too. And, and, you know, and that's important. I talk about that as well a little bit, but I think us all understanding, you know, who we are, our values, our mission, all of that individually. And then we can apply that not just in the workplace, but in life too, like you're talking about is so important. And that's why I think your book is just incredible because if you're not sure, right, if you're not sure about your personal values or anything, you know, if you're feeling a little bit like, well, I don't know what kind of leader I am. I didn't know I was even a leader. Read the book. Absolutely. And, and I think that, well, one of the barriers to me getting to the point of publishing actually was me dealing with some of that self stuff. I didn't know for sure. Did I know my purpose? I was still figuring that out. And I'm, you know, I'm later career than your listeners, probably many of them. (laughs) So, you know, it, it is something you're going to, that people often struggle with throughout life, um, and reevaluate and adapt, right? That's part of who we are as humans. And, um, taking that across any arena, that's why I use that phrase is, is important. I think that when we come into this world, we are given, you know, certain strengths and learning how to use those strengths, maximize those strengths is important. And yet, valuing the strengths of people around us where you who have uniquely different strengths. You mentioned following, and I think that's important. And even as a formal leader in a role with staff, I still would intentionally step myself back to learn from the people around me because they all had the people that I managed, right, who had unique and different strengths than I had, I still can learn from them. So it's a two-way street. So I agree with I agree. Learning leaders are the best leaders because we don't know everything just because we're in a leadership role. We don't know everything, right? So it's that give and take. It's like any relationship. So it the fact that 
you as a leader, I feel like when I meet a leader and they're aware, whether they're 16 years old or they're 66 years old, right? If they're aware that, you know, they need to learn from, you know, their counterparts or from the people that are reporting to them, I'm like, that's a leader. Check. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I have a little bit of a pet peeve for the know-it-all. That's why I talk about the learning leader a lot. So I relate a lot to that. And I want to go back to one thing you said, and then I want to talk about where to find you and stuff. But you talked about something very spiritual. I'm very spiritual too. So I connect with you on a lot of different things. But um, you talked about everyone kind of being born with this light and these, you know, kind of different personality things. And I believe in that too. You know, um, there's a quote that I have on my website about, you know, can leaders, you know, are they are they born? Are they made? I, I think they're made. I think everyone can be a leader. But I love what you said about we all have this light and something like, I've had a lot of women come on here and say like that lights me up or that sparks me up. And so I'm like, you're literally defining what they're saying. <laughs> you're saying we're born with it and it's true. And so we need to really identify, you know, what shines that light brighter and brighter throughout our, our life and not dim it. Right. Because when we're not listening to that, that light within us, then it, it gets dim. And I've had I've moments in my life where it's been very dim. And I'm sure you've had moments in your life where it's been, (laughs) but I can tell just in speaking with you, like it's very bright right now because this book is obviously the work of your evolution. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. I think it it really is important to take that time to see that light. And just as you were talking, it made me think of something that I sometimes share with leaders or with management teams that I might be training or that kind of thing. I think of relationship with our staff, with our managers, with our family, whomever, as things that need attention. And I think of that, so if you think of a ball and you were to roll a ball, eventually that ball will stop rolling and it will need another impetus or point of force, another roll to get moving again. So I think of relationships like that. We need to be intentional about those impetus that we use to keep the relationship moving forward. And I call them touch points. So those touch points that we have to keep those relation the relationships moving forward. And I would highlight again that it's important for us to do it both with others and with ourselves. So for me, I mentioned even still today reassessing what's my purpose in life. I can say that as a teen through now, I've been writing all my life. Early on, I did, like as a youth, I did a lot of poetry. Then I moved into this phase in my early adulthood where I thought I wanted to be a fiction writer of suspense novels. And I spent a lot of years writing lots of drafts that never went anywhere. And then as I got later career, I started thinking about what's the the legacy I want to leave behind. And I want... And that's how I moved into nonfiction. I want to put out whatever I know so that whomever would like could take advantage of that or they want. So that took time for me to reflect and look internally for my own mind. But then as leaders, if we take the time to look for other people's needs, then we have the opportunity to help them realize their light. I can't tell you how many times, how many coaching conversations I've had both as a leader or now as a consultant and coach in my organizations, where I've told I've been told, 
I didn't even realize I had that strength. So if we can help others find their light, mm-hmm. that's very, very powerful. Aren't those like the best conversations as a leader? Don't you just feel like then your yeah. light goes off? It does. <laughs> it does. I so understand that. It's so interesting. Julie, we could talk forever because I was an, I was an English major. And so oh. I was writing poetry at a very young age. <laughs> And then I actually got published in a couple things with fiction. And then now I've, I've moved into nonfiction too. So it's like, I'm like, you're like my, my mentor. I feel like I'm like, oh my God, I was going to like talk to you. So I love this though, because it's important to realize that, you know, once again, early you were drawn to the communication, the writing, you knew, but you know, it doesn't mean that we always have it all figured out, but now it's like, you had to do a couple different things. You were communicating through writing, poetry, writing some fiction. And now you're like, wait, I want my message out there. And you kind of figured it out. And yes. I, I love that. Yeah. It's I think, funny how much our paths have been similar. <laughs> yes. I, it's so interesting. And I think, you know, I think it's really important for the women and some of the guys that listen to, to hear that, you know, you know being called you know, to something over and over again, there's something to that, but sometimes it evolves and changes the way it looks. And that's, that's okay. It is, it is because we get to know ourselves more and we experience things that help shape us over time. Right. I mean, the person I was as a youth versus a young adult versus now is different. And I, that's okay. And that's perfectly, I was perfectly where I was supposed to be at any given point in time. So I love that. So Julie, give us your quick piece of advice of how obviously okay. you read the book um, and we'll talk about where to find that in just a second. But what is your advice to people who are stepping into leadership um, for the first time? Maybe they are a leader struggling, um, how they can be the best leader or be the leader of their life. What's your advice as Julie? Well, I, I think that for aspiring or new leaders, I would say really think about how you can learn and practice. So practice is important, the skills of leadership. And there are certain skills of leadership, influencing, building trust, being able to relate well to people, performing well, all of those things. So I mentioned the word practice because we can get mentors, we can read books, we can go to college or workshops or whatever we might do to learn. And learning is important. But until we take that learning and actually practice it, it is a much, we, we aren't putting it into play, if you will. And to take that step to practicing sometimes takes more courage. So practice courageousness too. When I feel myself reluctant to practice a new skill, I talk to myself about experimenting. So I'm going to do this. It probably won't be perfect, but I'm going to experiment and try. <laughs> so just try to have that mindset of practice and experiment and um, do, you know, observe people around you that you see as really good leaders and try to mimic what you see that you value and what they're doing. If you can, find a mentor and ask them to help mentor you along. Listen to the feedback that you get. It sometimes is hard to listen to things when people are inspiring us to grow on things that we aren't as good at, but try to remain open in those conversations because they're giving you something of value. So I guess those are my top of mind things that I would say. 
Oh my God. I love all of them. Yes. I always say, get a mentor. Like, I don't know what I would have done through my career without mentors. And I still have mentors and I'll have them to the day I die. <laughs> like, I agree. You know what I mean? But yes. I love, I love what you said about the experiment though, Julie, because it kind of takes the pressure off and it makes it kind of fun. It's like, you're doing a little science experiment or something exactly. like have fun yes. with it. Yeah. It's so cool. So where can we find you, Julie? Like social media? Well, tell us where to buy the book first. Where do we sure. buy the book? Well, it's on any platform like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever. You can find it anywhere. And um, you can also go to my website, Julie Guest Peer without the hyphen.com. So it's on there too, links to it. And then I also have another website, peerperformancesolutions.com for my business. And I'm on various social media platforms under my name. So feel free to find me. Perfect. And we'll tag it all and put it all in the show notes so they can buy the book and read it. I can't wait to read it. I'm so excited. This was so amazing. Thank you so much for being on My Opinion, Julie. It's been awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Great talking with you, Maya. Awesome. And thank you guys so much for listening to My Opinion. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion Podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion Podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.